welcome to the Health Data Ethics Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Owens, and today we're going to be continuing with our series on the White House and the Office of Standards and Technologies release of the Blueprint for an AI Bill of Rights. In this episode, we're going to be talking about your right to notice an explanation. Um, the <clears throat> government believes that you have a right to be notified and explained what the purpose of any sort of artificial intelligence that is impacting your life, um, that you should be notified when this happens, um, and that you should be given a brief, coherent explanation of what this is for, why it's being used, and what information about you is going into this black box of an algorithm. And as I was thinking about this, um, I, I really wrestle with this one. Um, Usually I am a, a large proponent of uh, in individual rights and I am a big proponent of informed consent, um, big proponent of you know the knowledge to uh, knowing what you are experiencing and having the ability to opt out if it's something you don't agree with. But artificial intelligence is so poorly defined and so very pervasive that I really feel like this one, this particular right has needs a lot of careful thought and interpretation as we try to think about putting it into practice. For example, if I am going through a radiology appointment and I, I am receiving, let's say, for example, a CT scan, I do not want my radiologist to stop and explain to me all of the various algorithms that they are using to reduce noise in the image or to make sure that they're getting good pictures of the of the organs that they want rather than, you know, the, the other systems in my body that they're not investigating at the time. That's not relevant to why I'm there. Um, it also places a real increased burden on the medical system, right? Because my radiologist is not usually the person who is performing my imaging. Um, they usually read the image and then they, they communicate with me in writing. Um, so I was really kind of struggling with how do we want to frame this up so that people are informed because I do believe you have a right to be informed. And I do think you should be able to get a reasonable explanation of what algorithms and artificial intelligence is being brought to bear on your healthcare. Um, but I think really what we need is more like almost analogous to the ba basic civics education, right? Basic education in artificial intelligence and in even take it down a level. What can computers do, right? So what information about you is trackable on what devices? When you enter the healthcare system, what information is being collected and how might it be used? What are the possibilities? And then when you have this conversation in the healthcare setting, you can operate from an informed place of knowing what's possible and what, what is likely. Um, so these explanations, they should be in plain language. So when we're disclosing, when I want to say we, I mean a healthcare organization, when we're disclosing to a patient that yes, artificial intelligence may be used in this episode of care, um, those explanations should be in plain language. And this is also a big hurdle because a lot of our providers aren't computer scientists, right? Why would they be? They went to medical school. They're not computer scientists. And you shouldn't have to be a doc with a high tolerance for technology in order to be an effective healthcare provider in our current environment. Um, so we should be able, when I say we in this case, I mean healthcare IT, should be able to provide all of our providers with a succinct explanation of the systems that they're using and how those may affect the patients. 
Um, our explanation should hold someone accountable. There should be a person that you can, or an, an office or a group, somebody that you can escalate questions to. So if I feel like, hey, you know, this algorithm is signing me up for appointments every four months when I really feel like every six months is more appropriate, can I talk to somebody and get my name removed from this particular patient list for reasons X or Y? Um, this all brought me back to the one of my very favorite things to think about, which is the most common lie told in the year 2023. What's the most common lie told? I have read and agreed to the terms and conditions. So if I think about loading up more healthcare encounters, which are already emotional and fraught, people are worried about their health, people are worried about their family members, they're worried about their finances. Will this be expensive? Am I looking you know, down the barrel of mortality? Um, to throw a bunch of technical jargon into that does not benefit the patient. It does not inform, it, you know, like the, the, there is no net win here. Um, but what we can do, I think, is do a better job of educating our own providers and our own IT folks so that we can be more responsive when questions arise, so that we can write nice, coherent, up-to-date, plain language explanations if, when it, to be relayed to patients when it is appropriate. We should take a look at these yearly and make sure that our algorithms are still doing what we said they were doing. Um, this is something that a, that's a, a nice carryover from my days in clinical research, right? Because every year, the Institutional Review Board would review your protocol and they would review your informed consent. And every time you make a change to the protocol, if it affects what the patients are consenting, the participants are consenting to do, then you obviously change and update the informed consent. The informed consent document is intended to be written at an eighth grade reading level, and we we aim for this, and we miss often. The informed consent documents are lengthy. And that's usually why you have a research coordinator there to kind of walk you through and explain in plain language what this really means and what the um, answer any questions that may come up on, on the part of the patient. Um, I was thinking about how how you would go about generating some notice and some explanation for patients. And I thought again about the patient advocates, right? So the, these are it's a really important place to collect some feedback from patients. I can approach this from a patient perspective, but my approach is necessarily going to be flavored A by my you know, 12 years spent in the healthcare environment, right? I am a reasonably savvy consumer of healthcare services. Uh, two, my high tolerance for technology and technological jargon. Um, and three, a willingness to engage with that as part of my healthcare. And not none of those should be criteria for having a successful healthcare encounter that is influenced by artificial intelligence or machine learning or large language models, any, any of these things. You shouldn't have to be a reasonably techie person in order to have a successful outcome. Um, I think about, you know, I, I I think about family members when I think about, you know, your your average patient, right? I think about a person who doesn't particularly care about hospitals, may try to avoid the doctor, does not consume healthcare news. And I think, okay, how would they approach this? And with patient advocates, the great news is, is that you can get engaged patients who come from that particular mindset to enact, like interact with your process. It's fantastic. Um, whatever we do for notice and explanation, 
we should be doing some reporting on it. We should be doing some documentation. So we should be treating our artificial intelligence use cases like we do our business apps, right? We should be keeping a record. They should be identified. They should be documented. When did this go into play? When did this go go live? What data is it uh, is it drawing on? Can we have that defined? Can we document its testing cycles? How successful was it? Um, do we make sure that we have the users documented and the appropriate populations documented? Um, can we make sure that we have our notification text uh, in a record somewhere? Uh, can we also make sure that we're looking at the risk of what happens if this algorithm goes awry? And I'll talk about this a little bit in the next episode when we talk about human alternatives. Um, but if we could have a single location where we could have all of this documented for every artificial intelligence use case, then we have something that we can review and report on on a regular basis. And we have a source of truth to go back to when we're thinking about updating um, or making changes. Healthcare is called out often as a, a special use case, a, a sensitive use case for artificial intelligence. Um, overall, government regulation of artificial intelligence seems unlikely for uh, reasons that are beyond the purview of this podcast, right? Congress doesn't really understand the technology that it, that is at play here. They also are really worried about aliens. Um, and so like, I, I don't, I don't see Congress getting it together to meaningfully regulate AI as a whole field at any point in the near future. What I do see is FDA has already stepped in and given a framework for the evaluation of software as a medical device, um, which is great, right? The, the FDA process it, it, it can it, it can be kludgy to interact with, but FDA is pretty clear about this is what is a software as a medical device, and these are softwares that are not subject to FDA regulation. Um, the line is a little fuzzy. It's really interesting um, because where where FDA really seems to draw the bright hard line about whether a particular artificial intelligence algorithm is a medical device or not is is this doing medical decision making. And of course, the answer to that is, well, anything is doing medical decision making if you just blindly accept the results and act on it without inputting your own clinical judgment. FDA can't regulate our own individual brain processes, right? So the, the, the line is fuzzy. And I look forward to seeing how this conversation about what is and isn't a medical device evolves.